0: Hello and welcome to the AK-47 Podcast. My name is Kristen Godsey and today I am just going to randomly editorialize for a moment about the situation that we find ourselves in globally and respond to some of the comments and emails that I have received from younger people Around me, who are very despairing about what's happening globally and with the pandemic and the firefighters now in California, and the possibility that there could be a, a civil war in the United States if, if Trump decides to reject the outcome of the November election. A lot of frustration with. The Democratic National Convention and and Joe Biden as being very centrist and not as progressive as many young people had hoped to see the representatives of the Democratic Party given, you know, all of the things that are going on in the world. I think a lot of people right now are despairing. And I, you know, I'll be honest, I definitely feel like there's a lot to despair about. And, And there are days, bad days where I just can't seem to Look up from the news, I read a doom scroll on my phone and I read all these articles and all of this bad news about you know, climate change and, and incredible inequality and all of the ways in which the wealthy and the powerful take advantage of the poor and the powerless racism and sexism and all sorts of discrimination that persist within and even thrive, I would say, within the capitalist economy. And we're trying, all of us, I think, you know, who care about these issues are trying to fight on as many fronts as we can. And then we find ourselves often divided amongst ourselves you know, some people say you're too liberal or you're not liberal enough or you're too left or you're not left enough or you're not the right kind of left. You're you know, you're an anarchist rather than a socialist or you should be a communist or you should be a syndicalist or I don't know the the, the amount of hand wringing and positioning that's going on in the left has left a lot of young people really frustrated and, and feeling powerless and the attacks on them. U.S. Postal Service, and the questions about mail-in voting. There's just so much going on on top of the continuation of the pandemic and the surge, the resurgence of cases in Europe and around the world, in Australia, and the feeling that this may not end anytime soon, that we could end up with a twin twindemic That's what they're calling it. You know, when the flu season starts, that we'll have both seasonal flu and coronavirus at the same time, whether or not our medical facilities will be able to handle the increased burden of all the extra cases. I mean, you know, I could go on and on, and I'm sure many of you who are reading the news or paying attention to what's happening in the world are also feeling the same level of anxiety and frustration and perhaps depression and despair as I am, and as, as, as I think many young people I know are feeling. And so I want to take a moment to take a break from reading Red Love. I feel like this is really important because I've actually, lately for another project that I'm working on, and for a, a podcast that I'm going to be recording next week in the UK, I've been reading a lot about Soviet women who fought in the Second World War, and the conditions of their lives, and the incredible circumstances that they found themselves in, and the the remarkable bravery that they showed in the face of Nazi aggression, as well as sexual harassment from their Russian superiors and their Russian fellow comrades. And how horrible, you know, I mean, really, we, we know so much about the horrors of the Holocaust in europe during the second world war but i think at least here in the united states we don't even learn a fraction about uh, of what's necessary to learn about the horrific conditions on the eastern front and particularly the young people 17 18 19 20 year olds many of them conscripts conscripted into the service men and women both you know and how much they they fought uh, in order to defeat Nazi Germany during the Second World War, and the incredible, incredibly horrific conditions that that they that they fought under on the Eastern Front, all of this has got me thinking about how do we maintain hope and some semblance of optimism that the world can change in the face of all these negative things that are going on. And I'll say that I'm older and I was a teenager in the 80s and I remember this feeling of despair very well because when I was a teenager, 17, 18, I remember very well that we all thought that the world was going to end in a complete nuclear, you know, total nuclear war, total nuclear destruction. We called it mutually assured destruction between the Soviet Union and the United States. And there was this incredible feeling that our lives had no meaning, that nothing that we did mattered because the world was going to end anyway. And then it was foolish to care. It was foolish to persevere through your studies or to to get involved politically because it was all going to be blown up and destroyed anyway. And I remember that feeling very well. In fact, I remember that feeling so well that after my first year of university, I actually dropped out because I, I thought I wanted to see the world before it was destroyed in a nuclear holocaust. And It felt so real to me. It felt so palpable that everything was just going to go to hell in a handcart really soon. And so I took a kind of cool version of apathy, sort of clad myself in the armor of uncaring as much as I could in order to protect myself. Obviously, we all needed to protect ourselves because despair can overwhelm us. And, and it's not a, there are lots of dark places that we can go and we, and we can stay there for a really long time. And it affects not only ourselves, but obviously the people in our lives, our loved ones and our friends, the people around us are affected by our dark, pessimistic, cynical, nihilistic moods. And anyway, you know, I have to remind myself that the Cold War ended suddenly, completely without so much as a Little bang, little—it was really just quite a whimper, and the threat of total nuclear annihilation just sort of disappeared one day, and 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 I woke up and I remember thinking, "Oh my God, now what am I going to do with the rest of my life?" I I haven't really committed to my future because I thought everything was going to end, and it was a real eye opener to me when I when I realized that the world can just completely change on a dime like that. Now, of course. As many of you who know my other scholarly work are you know, maybe familiar with, this was a terrible moment for people living in Eastern Europe. For some people, it was an incredible opportunity. You know, There were people who, who had committed suicide just days before the Berlin Wall fell, and if they had just waited a few more days, if they had just waited a week, everything in their world would have been completely different for some people it was good for some people it was really awful and yet the world changed and it's almost 30 years now, you know, more than 30 years since the Berlin wall fell next year will be 30 years since the Soviet union collapsed. And I think that you have to remember for, for those of us in the West who haven't had this experience of just total systemic failure that, you know, empires rise and fall countries come and go economic systems grow and, and, and shrink and collapse and, you know, we could be at that moment. We could be very close to that moment. We we don't know. And it's almost impossible to know. I mean, obviously, if something incredible happens, if the United States, for instance, falls apart or devolves into some kind of civil war, we'll look back and we'll we'll create a just-so story that says, hey, you know, we knew this was coming. The signs were all there and we just maybe you know, failed to see them. But while you're in the middle of it, while you're living through it, you can't really see the signs because there's just so much uncertainty. And I think it's the uncertainty that makes people so unhappy. It makes people so despairing. And so, for myself and for the young people that I've been speaking to lately, in my own personal life, you know, I I find myself having to walk a weird a weird middle ground. Because on the one hand, I know that I'm very pessimistic and cynical many days. I, I read the news, I see what's happening in the world, and I think, oh, we're so screwed. And on the other hand, when I hear young people say that, I think, no, don't give in. Don't give in to despair, because I know that's exactly what they want us to do. They want us to give in to despair. They want us to check out of the system. They want us to think that nothing can change. That's their plan is to sow cynicism and to sow nihilism so that people check out of the system and then, then these other forces can take over without any resistance. And so I've been thinking a lot over the last couple of days, reading about these, you know, Soviet women in combat and thinking about Kolontai and thinking about sort of the larger trajectory of the 20th century And the history so far of the 21st century and where we might be going. And, you know, I think hope is radical. I think that maintaining some kind of optimism is political in the face of all of the shitty things that are happening in the world right now. And there are so many of them. Giving in to pessimism, giving in to despair is signaling defeat. It's kind of very selfish because you're sort of walling yourself off from what's happening in the world and saying, okay, I'm just going to protect my emotions. I'm just going to protect my mental health because I can't deal with the weltschmerz out there anymore. I I need to kind of reset My mind, and just, you know, spend a lot of time on my yoga mat or do meditation or go for long walks or drink heavily or whatever it is that you do in order to kind of make sense of the world that we're living in right now. And I totally understand that. And I I totally understand that we need to protect ourselves and that our mental health is something that's precious and we should care for it as much as we can, as well as caring for the mental health of the people around us. But on the other hand, I feel like. Sometimes being uncomfortable and addressing the despair, embracing the despair, seeking out the indignation and the frustration and the anger and letting it seep into your skin, letting it seep into your blood, letting it really affect your mind, and yet still maintaining just even the sliver of hope, the possibility that things could change, that things could get better. That's the hardest thing of all. That's the thing that is so shocking to me about these young men and women who fought on the Eastern Front during World War II, how desperate their situation was. And yet they they believed that they were making a difference, even if they they weren't necessarily. I mean, in the end, obviously they did because the Soviets were able to repel the Nazis. But I think that it, there was, there was a faith and there, maybe it's naive, you know, I'm fully willing to accept that, you know, the whole ignorance is bliss argument that you're, you're stupid. If you think that anything you say or do can actually change the system, that this is a way of lulling you into kind of a false sense of empowerment. And I know a lot of people say this about voting. A lot of people say this today about the democratic process in the United States, but I think they're wrong. I think that we all have the opportunity to make a difference in small ways. Yeah, maybe even infinitesimal ways, but that those ways, if we all commit ourselves to trying to not giving up, to, to to maintaining some level of optimism and hope that things can change in the aggregate, all of those tiny little hopes, all, all those tiny little shreds of possibility of utopianism can actually add up to something substantial. Now, you know, that's an empirical claim. And I am not as, you know, as a social scientist, I'm not, I'm not quite ready to sit here and and find some substantiating evidence and try to argue one way or the other that I know that this is true. And that if everybody just believes enough in the possibility of change, that if we aggregate that together, somehow it's going to actually result in some sort of real political or economic change. I'm not willing to go that far. But to the extent that I think that political activism is about believing in causes and ideas greater than yourself, I think we have to, on some level, step away from the apathy and step away from the cynicism and step away from the despair. Not ignore it. I mean, it's there. It's real. We should understand that our mental health is collectively compromised by the situation that we find ourselves in the world today. There's no doubt about that whatsoever. But despite that, I think if we can find some small space to be optimistic that all of this hardship, all of this chaos is going to be worth it in the end, that if we stay involved and if we stay political and we pay attention and we do as much as we can in our own way, and I realize that that's going to be different for different people, if we try to find common cause with each other if we try to find some kind of solidarity with each other, if we link arms uh, in our common goal, to and particularly right now in the United States, I'm thinking a lot about President Trump, and and the way that he's talking about questioning the election results and refusing to leave office if he loses the election. I mean, there's there's so many strange things that are going on with the attacks on the post office, and in the end, I I totally am empathetic and sympathetic with the young people that I speak to and with many of my colleagues as well who believe that things are just going to get so much worse before they get better and that the worseness that's coming towards us is not going to be worth, you know, in the long run, what little victories we manage to eke out of the catastrophe that's facing us soon. But I, I want to resist that. And I know that I I know that I can't on some level in my own mind, because I too am prone to give in to despair way too often. And so in my own work and in my own life, and and you know, maybe through this podcast, maybe through reading the works of Alexandra Kollontai, maybe through reading the history of women fighting on the Eastern Front during the Second World War, maybe through talking to people, teaching, thinking, writing paying attention, somehow the highest goal that I can set for myself right now, and and there are so many other things that I could be doing, but maybe the most important thing that I could be doing, that I should be doing, is finding a way to hope, finding a way to embrace a kind of optimism for the future that I think we are all collectively losing if, if you spend too much time you know reading all the negative news that's out there so yeah i don't have any great insights into how to do this i'm i'm still trying to figure this out for myself and you know for the people that i love and 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 the, the people in the world and the, around me whose despair and mental health i'm very concerned about but i want to just say here and now on this podcast that I, for those of you who are out there struggling in a similar way with what's going on, we're all struggling. It's not just you. You're not alone. We're all facing the same sort of despair and issues of of, of, of frustration and cynicism and apathy that come with that. And we will find a way somehow to get through this. And if you If you can just have one or two positive thoughts, you know, a day, cherish them, write them down. Try to remember that the world can change. It has changed in the past. It will change in the future. Yes, I know it can change for the worse, but it can also change for the better. And it won't change for the better without a bunch of us believing that that's actually a possibility. So on that note, uh, I don't know if any of that made any sense whatsoever. I'm just thinking out loud here because I've been struggling with a lot of this in my own life. And I will continue to read Red Love in the next episode. But until that time, thank you so much for listening and keep up the good fight.